0: It's a new year, and one way you might consider improving your new year is to put a little bit more money in your pocket, a little bit of top-line revenue. (laughs) Today, it's all about the side hustle. I bring you an interview with Nick Loper from Side Hustle Nation. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets, and today is Monday, January 19, 2015. This is the show where we teach you how to make money today, how to make a little bit of extra money on the side, and inspire your creativity in the hopes that you'll go out and improve your cash flow. And today, going to primarily give you ideas for unique ways to accomplish that. My guest today is a man named Nick Loper, and Nick is the host of the – well, he's the the author and the founder of Side Hustle Nation. Uh, the website is sidehustlenation.com. He hosts a show called The Side Hustle uh, Show, a podcast, and the entire focus of his site and of his work is clearly indicated in the title. He's all about how to build up something on the side that will allow you to – Uh, increase your income for whatever purpose you have for increasing your income and maybe that would lead into a, a new business of some kind. One of the things that we explore on the show quite a bit is income, how to improve and increase your income. There's Probably a point of diminishing returns at which that's just simply not a priority. But for many of us, that is a major focus, and there are many ways to produce income. We talk a lot about ways to produce income at your current job, in your current business, but one sure-fired way of creating additional income is to do more work. And for many people, that's more effectively done with some sort of side project, some sort of side job. And the market for side projects, side jobs, has dramatically changed now, whether this is something that you need to do temporarily or on, or it's an ongoing focus, whether it's something that you're doing as a way of transitioning from what you are doing into a new business, that's up to you. And uh, obviously, you'll have to decide that within your own context. But I've watched over the last few years just some really exciting trends of, of just new opportunities that have never existed. In general, I see a transition available to people to do more and more work in unique niches. And you'll hear in the interview that Nick and I talk a little bit about that, about how to put together full-time income from uh, multiple side projects. And there is an increasing trend in this direction uh, in industry. My hope is that today's interview simply sparks your creativity and... Gives you some ideas so that instead of simply going and delivering pizzas, which is certainly a valid option, you can use that as a metaphor and find something that might lead to broader exposure, might lead to more opportunities. This can be a really, really helpful strategy to just get you over the hump. Perhaps you're working a job that you love, and in a career in an environment that you really enjoy. Which, by the way, I've got a show on my show list that I've been meaning to do of all the the amazing benefits of working at a steady job in a steady corporation. I have tried to balance the tone a little bit on the show uh, instead of focusing so much on entrepreneurship just simply recognizing that there are pros and cons because I really do believe there are pros and cons. And for me, I prefer entrepreneurship, but there are many people and there are many in advantages to working in, in, uh, just a, a steady corporation where you have a steady paycheck, uh, but continuing with the point, whether this is something you're doing as a temporary method just to increase your income or, or whatever whatever your reason, that's up to you. But I hope I, I hope this interview with Nick will bring you some ideas, and I encourage you to check out his content. One of the things I'm trying to do on the show. Uh, I hope you find it helpful. If there's a particular topic that, you know, I'm not going to create the Side Hustle Nation, Nick's already done it. I don't see any reason to uh, spend any of my energy trying to create that. And so I love to profile people who might be a resource for you. And if you are in need of, Uh, of a way to earn some extra income and go check out his show and listen to a bunch of his episodes and maybe that will fuel your creativity and help you and then feel free to come on back over here when when you need to that's why I bring you some of these shows is to profile some resources that might be helpful for you Uh, I don't again I don't see any point in trying to uh, trying to do something that somebody else is doing well there are so many massive needs especially with regard to finance that I prefer to focus on the things that I don't see being done well and And So although I want to bring you ideas from time to time, I thought the best way to bring you some of these ideas would be in the context of an interview. And now, for more information, if this is of great interest to you, then go on over and check out some of Nick's content. Um, Enough talking. Let's get to it. So Nick, welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. I appreciate you being with me today.
1: What's happening, man?
0: (laughs) Been looking forward to having you on. We met originally at Podcast Movement, uh, what was that, six months ago at this point, point. And I was intrigued with the concept of your site, Side Hustle Nation. And I wasn't previously familiar with it. After meeting you, though, I had gone back and uh, looked through some of your content and just was fascinated with what you're doing. I thought it would be extremely valuable content to bring to my audience. So what I'd love to start with, though, is introduce the genesis of Side Hustle Nation. What's your story? uh, What were you doing? And how did Side Hustle Nation come out of that?
1: this was my my way of spreading the gospel of this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship saying hey you don't need to jump off the cliff into the unknown you can you can start a business on the side you can ramp this thing up uh, you know as slowly as quickly as you want but do it in a way that you're comfortable with because i because that was my experience it was three years of nights and weekends for me before i felt comfortable quitting my job and and even then you know, it, it took a couple of beers to get up the nerve, like when I was talking with my boss at dinner, and you know, just I don't I don't know how people do it. Like it's just saying like, I'll, I'll I'm going to find a way to pay the rent next month, and they just and they just go, and it's like, well, that's that's not me, and I don't think that's for the percentage of the population that's more risk averse like me. This is this is the site for you. How to earn money outside of your day job um,
0: <laughs> while keeping that day job? What was the business you were engaged in previously?
1: I was uh, I had a comparison shopping site for shoes called shoesniper.com.
0: and then the business that you transitioned to was Side Hustle Nation.
1: So it's transitioned. So I should back it up. So on my on my first day of self employment, uh, of all days, Google decides this is the day they're going to crawl my site for uh, for quality scores and. As luck would have it, it's also that the day that the server decides to crash, and so of course they crawl the site. They say, "Hey, look, this is horrible. It doesn't even load. We can't let you advertise with us." Like, whatever, you know, this is temporary. This is fine. You know, we'll get it fixed. And then even then, once the site was back up and running, it had kind of raised this red flag for them. So the site was monetized through, uh, through referral relationships, affiliate relationships. If somebody bought a pair of shoes through the site, the store would send uh, a finder's fee or commission back to me. And so they looked at the site and they said, this is a crappy uh, affiliate site. Your sole purpose of existing is to drive traffic to other websites. And I said, that's the sole purpose of Google for existing. Who are you to talk? <laughs> and But but they were serious because they, I mean, that was like 80% of my traffic. Uh, So it took, it took the whole summer. And, you know, so that was a very stressful summer. used to have hair uh, before that time, trying to get back into their good graces and learn how to, to, you know, make a site that was acceptable to them in terms of, you know, the value add for their, for their users. But what, (laughs) I guess it opened my eyes, like, look. You know, because my whole my whole shtick is like on diversification. Like, if you're relying on one source of income, your day job, for example, like you're in an inherently risky position. And then once I quit, I was in essentially the same risky position because I was relying on just the shoe business as my one source of income. And worse than that, my well, that one source of traffic did, uh, determined a, a big percentage of it. So, from there, I was always interested in you know, starting other side hustles, other websites, other, um, experiments, other projects. And so that was kind of, and that's accelerated with the, uh, with the side hustle nation blog and podcast to, to have an outlet, to have an excuse to, to talk about all these different things that, um, that people are doing.
0: One of the reasons why I was most excited to bring you on is because your entire focus is helping people build part-time, build side income. And I guess the, the modern way of saying a part-time job is the side hustle. I like the, <laughs> I like the nomenclature. I don't know where it came from, but it seems like that's the, the standard way of referring to it. And one of the themes that on my show I continually talk about is the wheel of financial planning. And the amount of income that we earn is one important component of financial planning. In order to increase our wealth, We only have a few levers that we can push, and one of those levers that we can push is the amount of income that we can earn. But for many people, it feels difficult to generate extra income simply out of employment. Perhaps they're on a salaried basis or on an hourly basis, and there aren't overtime opportunities available. And so in this scenario... Uh, you're pushed in the direction of needing to find some kind of extra work. And so you, that means part-time job. That means uh, some sort of side business. What intrigues me, though, is how what I've observed in the last five, 10, five, or, five or ten years, the just massive proliferation of opportunities that, have, that has come about. It used to be, you know, Dave Ramsey is famous for saying, go deliver pizzas, and that he means that as a metaphor for some kind of part-time job. But to me, those part-time jobs, whether it's delivering pizzas or <laughs> waiting tables at night or bartending bar things like that, they have some potential, but they're not. They're, they all have a cap on them as far as the amount of income that can be earned. But there are many more exciting opportunities uh, emerging, and especially with some of the electronic connectivity that we all enjoy now. So, what I'd love to spend the bulk of our time today talking about is discussing some of the opportunities that you see in your work uh, that are really exciting of how people are generating uh, income on the side with their, with their side hustle. What are you seeing as some of the biggest growth areas of the types of businesses that people are starting, the different types of services that they're offering? What are you seeing as, as, as having the bi- biggest growth right now?
1: You, you bet. And I like to focus on the on the earning potential side because, you know, the other part of the equation is, you know, your your spending and you can only, you can only save so much before, you know, you're living in a grass hut and, you know, there's, there's, there's only so much you can cut, right? You know, okay. I stopped cable. I stopped buying my coffee, whatever it is. Right. But like, you know, your, your earning potential is potentially limitless or hopefully in theory limitless. And I like the idea of, of delivering pizza. I think that's a good, that's a good metaphor because it is, even though it's not something that's time leveraged, it's something that you know, that's that's immediate. Like there's instant gratification, and you're going to find similar things with with a lot of the like uh, like freelancing stuff, like kind of the the sharing economy stuff, like the the Airbnbs, the Uber drivers of the world. She, a friend a friend of mine sent me a note the other um, couple months ago and said we made him and his girlfriend have made two grand in the last few months. Dog sitting and there's a couple of sites, like wow. dog A is one and like Rover.com is another. They're like Airbnb but for dogs. And I was like, oh my gosh! And, and you know, hearing that like totally made me want to set up shop and try it and try it out because it's like, oh shoot, you know, we already got one dog. I can walk two of them at the same time too. That's fine. Um, so those are those are some of the fastest ways I think to get started is to tap into some of those existing those um, existing marketplaces or, or the kind of the sharing economy the peer-to-peer economy like driving for for uber and lyft and doing the the airbnb the dog sitting um i think of what would be uh would be another one well, shoot i had a guy on the show who makes his makes a full-time living just buying and selling stuff on craigslist it's nuts he and he does like appliances Like think about the the biggest bulkiest hard to transfer uh item that you <laughs> that you can think of
0: you're it's talking like, about a- ryan finlay right Absolutely. Yeah, I also interviewed him on my show some months back, and I, oh, I was nice. fascinated with his with his <laughs> with his blog for at least a couple of years, and, I, and he's got such an amazing story of just. Again, creating a business off of this thing that I would never think of doing, and yet he pre- supports his income. and He got out of debt and he's built a nice little business for himself, <laughs> buying and selling appliances on Craigslist. But you, you have you seen? Have you t- but there are many people doing that actually, not only with appliances, but all these little niches. Have you had exposure to other people uh, doing something thim- similar on Craigslist?
1: You know, it's not something I've tried myself, and when I. Um actually my Lyft driver in in Dallas for podcast movement you know we we got in touch I said hey I'm you know going to this podcast conference He's like oh my god I'm driving all day every day I love podcasts I'll check out your show and so he sent me a note after the episode with Ryan and it was like oh my gosh I found my first thing I got it on the free the free section of Craigslist and I made like three hundred dollars this week I was like wow. oh my gosh that's awesome so people taking action and I like Ryan's approach hey I want to you know, I want to make fifty dollars a day. I want to make a hundred dollars a day, and just looking for those deals to uh, to go out and, and go after.
0: So let's talk about the sharing economy because this is a topic that fascinates me. The big ones are Uber and Lyft for the car services. Do you think those are viable ways for people to build some part-time income as it stands today in January 2015?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you can get started. You know right away and especially if you live in or near a, a big metro area there the demand just keeps going up for that stuff so that's a pretty cool
0: one what are the requirements for somebody who has a car is it any any person with any car can sign up as a driver or what are their requirements uh, to get started as a driver
1: well thankfully I was asking uh, Harry Campbell who's like the rideshare guy com uh, about this and he says you got to have a, a car that's 2006 or newer in pretty good shape and you've I think they do some sort of, you know, background check or like test test drive with you with, you know, somebody who's local on the ground. So, but you you could be up and running within a week, um, you know, if you if you submit your application and get it done.
0: Okay. Also then Airbnb. So, we all at this point I would assume are probably familiar with this, the idea of just renting out a, a part of your house. Are people doing this and generating substantial income from it?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I found I found a guy who actually he has an apartment in Amsterdam, and so he started out uh, renting out, you know, renting out a room in it, renting out two rooms in it, and then he was like, "Forget that, I'm gonna rent out the whole thing, and I'm gonna go travel myself." And so he's ended, actually ended up making a, a full lifestyle business out of it. I think he cleared like sixty grand last year from this one apartment, and he's like, he was in Brazil when I talked to him. It's just nuts. So you never know, and he and he made the so because my my beef with that was like look we're we're out in the suburbs who would want to stay here and he's like look if you have hotels in your town then there's obviously a demand for it and i was like well i guess you're right because there's you know there's a handful of every chain hotel you know 2 miles away from us so maybe there is a market so not something that i've tested out yet but it's it's something to think about for sure
0: are there other sites that are coming online to compete with airbnb that you're aware of that people are starting to use
1: uh, the other one that I've heard of is like Wim Wimdu, which is like a European knockoff of it. I don't know if they have the same traffic.
0: Okay. Other of the sharing economy you mentioned, dog walking. Are you? Are there any other like variations of this? Sharing your boat, sharing your yard, sharing your parking space, things like that that you're aware of that people are using?
1: Oh my gosh, there's one. There's one for like every niche imaginable. The one, <laughs> the one I wanted to try was. Uh, was like airport parking. It was, what was it called? Relay rides. They're out of San Francisco airport and they they wouldn't take my car because it was over 100,000 miles. But they offer free airport parking and they would rent it out to somebody while you're on your trip. And so you have potential to park for free and earn money, you know, if somebody actually rented your car. But they wouldn't take mine because it was too old. Um, But for any, you know, everything imaginable, like park, you know, parkatmyhouse.com, I believe is one of them. Um, There's just a ton. Like rent your Rent your snowboard while you're not using it. I forget the sites for all these, but you know, for any any kind of asset you have, there's which which is cool. Like in the big picture, right? Like because we can get by with owning less stuff and become more more efficient with our resources, more minimalist and stuff. And so I think that's really cool.
0: Talk to me about some of the online freelancing kind of service offerings and explain how if i've if i'm looking saying well i don't have any stuff that i'm, uh, I'm not going to share my apartment with friends but i do maybe have some skills what would be the process of going through and figuring out how to find some clients and generate some skills with some of the new online listing uh, sites
1: you bet you bet there's so i uh, had brian harris on the show uh, recently from videofruit.com super super smart guy and so he makes the argument that there there's three main ways to make money online he says you can sell advertising you can sell affiliate stuff which typically you know requires a ton of traffic to make it interesting so you can sell a product you know you could sell a physical product you could sell a ebook a course or something like that which is cool that's something that i've done and it, it still requires a little bit of a of an audience, a little bit of a platform, or you can, you know, un- unless you really hit it right with with Amazon or with some of these other places, he's like, or you can sell a service. He makes the argument that selling a service is the fastest way to get started because you don't need a website, you don't need, uh, you don't need to create a product, and you can just go out and find and find a customer, find your first customer, and all of a sudden you're in business. And so he's like, what do you? You know, kind of the classic question: What do people ask you for help about? And you know, what are you what are you more knowledgeable about than the average person? But beyond that, he said, "Look, if you can find like the epic how-to resource guide that somebody has posted on their blog, you know, you could be the guy that just does that. Like, you don't even need to invent this service necessarily. Like, somebody has kind of spelled out the step-by-step thing. And the one the one I found recently was like, you know, how to get your how to get your, you know, website SEO penalty removed or something like the twelve step thing, and it's like it's time intensive to do that. But like here it is, it's all spelled out for you. So if you have some working knowledge of the basics of this stuff, you'll find a customer who would be interested in this. I like it.
0: One of the things I see, and those three categories make all the sense. <laughs> they make a lot of sense to me because even with my experience with radical personal finance. I originally started off and simply said the most direct way for me to earn income off of my efforts here would be to sell my own services, to sell my own financial planning services and I received lots of inquiries for that and that actually would be the most direct way for me to earn income. Products have their place they're less direct and i have to create something that solves the needs of the audience but it's more direct than I don't need quite as big of an audience as i do for mass advertising or affiliate links but all of them can be effective and, and functional but the the just by focusing on the service to me this seems much more genuine because essentially what's happening is the the doors like the door the, the role of the doorkeeper is diminished and it used to be that if you were going to get involved in an industry or get involved in a uh, in an industry or in a, in, a, in, a, in a job, in a profession, you needed to get past all of the gatekeepers and you needed to get the stamps of approval put on you by uh, the powers that be. You needed to get the job, you need to get in with the company, you needed to get all of this external proof because it was difficult for one individual to start... To, to be able to, to, to publish and publicize their services on an inexpensive basis. The closest parallel that we had for being able to do this was, uh, was well, the only way you could do it previously was advertising, uh, which was traditionally through mainstream channels would have been very expensive, or through uh, uh, things like direct marketing, direct mail. All of those things are fairly expensive. But now when with minimal cost, you can get your message out there, then if you can help your message, there's a whole new challenge to it, but if you can help your message get found by the right person, then you cut down the the barrier. You don't have to go through the Washington Times for them to approve your ad and run your ad and you pay their fees to gain access to the customers. You have you know Google, you have the ability to get in front of the people that matter. And so I think one of the skill sets that we need to gain as a population of people paying attention is that skill set of self marketing always managing our brand managing the skills that we're marketing whether that's unique technical skills or whatever they are we've got to take that on and this is a whole new skill set that's never existed in the past because w- we just went and found the job doing something for somebody else
1: and yeah, my friend uh, Julian Gordon has a has a quote he says we're all we're all already entrepreneurs our employer is just our biggest client right and it's kind of the, the mindset shift of, OK, look, I'm going to have to go and, and get this get this done and, and make something happen. Um, and it's all, you know, in most cases, all it is is an email to say, hey, you know, I, I saw you, you know, might be interested in such and such a service. I've worked with, you know, blank, you know, insert name here for to build trust. And, you know, and then you're off to the races.
0: I've am i always been interested in the idea of doing things like uh, putting a wrap on my car and selling that service. I used to drive a lot and I always thought that would be interesting. What do you know about things like that?
1: I know I had my... Uh, virtual assistant research because I wanted to put a uh, I wanted to put a shoe sniper you know sticker or something on my car, be like then every then every mile I drive could be could be a deduction it could be advertising expense, <laughs> right? And uh, they were you know very much like no no here's the IRS <laughs> regulations. that's not that's not how it works that's not allowed, but there are companies out there I've yet to find a super super legit one so I found a couple that were kind of shady so I don't I'm not sure. If there's a, if there's kind of, if, it, if it's a kind of a fragmented local market for people, uh, cause somebody used to park in our neighborhood. It was like some juice, juice company, you know, their car was wrapped with. So I assume they were getting paid for that if they, unless they worked for the company. But those ones have always been intriguing for me. So if you know, if you know of any, um, legit operators in that space definitely let me know
0: no i haven't found one when i researched it in the past with my car i found a your car has to be pretty new and fancy and mine wasn't and b it just all nothing felt fully legitimate everything just felt a little bit a little bit shady to me and the it seemed as though the the people in the middle were weren't quite uh weren't quite they weren't quite legit (laughs) yeah (laughs) What about uh, Fiverr, Odesk, Elance, these types of services? How, If I've got some specific skills, how can I get started with those types of, uh, of sites, publishing, publicizing my work and making a little bit of side money?
1: So I really like the idea of tapping into these existing marketplaces, these ex- existing platforms, right? Because we're just starting out uh you know whether you're uh you know a blogger or a freelancer or anything like you know getting those first customers can be can be tough and so it makes sense to go where the buyers already are and, and you know for for ebooks that's amazon for for courses in my case that was udemy.com and i talked to a gentleman last year on um uh, on fiverr and so he he kind of had the the claim to fame or the soundbite he earned enough money on fiverr to buy a house like within a year like in cash and I was wow. like this is, this is just nuts because I've had used Fiverr for for years as a buyer but never had even given a second thought to selling stuff like what could I possibly sell for $5 that wouldn't you know make me go crazy and he made the he made the point like look this is the marketplace of goods and services starting at $5 which was I, don't, I didn't think I'd bought any of the upsells at that point so I didn't really realize that so starting at $5 and he made the point that Look, all of your, you know, $5 gigs can just be digital, you know, digital deliveries or really quick deliveries that don't take up a ton of your time. And then in the gig extras, if somebody really wants to engage with you, that's when you're going to start, you know, spending more and more of your time. And the guy is, you know, a marketing genius and cross-selling. You're like, hey, if you were interested in this, you might also be interested in this. And like, oh, I noticed you bought Service X, but, you know, we looks like, you know, we also could, could work together on this. And now what's really cool, for Fiverr, for, for people who've been on the platform for a little bit and have, had, have made a little bit of sales, you can sell whatever you want, like you can you can send people custom quotes, like just, I sent somebody a, a proofreading or a book editing gig the other day, It's just like, oh, you know, whatever it is, you know, 140 bucks, you know, just send it off and they accept it and you kind of make, you know, if you can engage somebody in a conversation, then you can send them whatever, you know, custom, you know, custom project that you want now. So that's really cool with with elance with odesk very very crowded you, i mean it's a global marketplace you're competing with with people in in india and pakistan and the philippines and stuff but that's okay because there's always you know there's always a, a point of differentiation right and um i'll send you a link for the show notes there's a couple there's a couple really good podcasts i've heard on getting started on on elance specifically like you know think about the position of somebody who's you know who's looking for work on there. Like they're looking for work because they don't, they don't know they don't they don't know somebody in their network. They don't have a guy. Like if I had a a guy to do my whatever project I need done, like I would just hire them. It's just like so this instead of thinking of it as, you know, I'm going to do this project for this random person. Like I'm going to become their go to person for whatever skill and so he he ended up doing some like you know writing projects for five bucks and then you know was able to you know really prove his worth and and had a long-term client from that so i thought that was kind of a cool story so i'll send you a link for that and the other way is to you know stand out so when i when i post jobs for Elance, it's probably the same way for you you get back a ton of just copy and paste crap like you didn't even read the thing it's just like oh i'm so great check out my portfolio blah 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 blah. With this one guy started doing was sending personalized video pitches. So being very picky about which jobs he was bidding on and then sending like a personalized video, pitch, just turning on the webcam and saying, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. I'd love to, you know, help you out. Like I've worked with such and such client and like no one else was doing that. Maybe more people are doing it now. Um, I've still yet to receive one of these things. Um, So it might be really, really cool to kind of break free, break out of the clutter in in that sense.
0: This is so... (laughs) I've learned a little bit since doing my show. I've been, I'm in a position where I've never been, where, where all of a sudden now I've got to deal with all kinds of incoming messages. And what's intriguing to me is how something that simple as changing the medium can make a big difference. I've had listeners, uh, well, even just last night, somebody on Twitter sent me a link to their YouTube video. And once I was assured that it wasn't spam, because you know you get these links sometimes and <laughs> pretty careful about clicking on a link. But once I was assured it wasn't actually just a a virus, I went ahead and followed it and I watched the YouTube video they created. Uh, I've had listeners send me audio feedback in, you know, send me an MP3 file attached to their email. And I can't resist listening (laughs) to them. And if you think about changing the medium like that, we all, I never thought of doing that and sending that to somebody. But we all have a webcam built into our phone and built into our computer. And we all have an audio recorder built into our phone and built into our computer. And something as simple as taking the time to record a personalized audio message and then attaching that to the email right with our phone or recording a, a web webcam, uh, uh, recording a video, po- posting it on YouTube as a, and attaching that uh, link to our email. What a great idea for differentiation. So maybe p- members of the audience could take that and apply that to whatever their industry is. I don't see it happening a lot, but yet it's been effective when people have sent it to me.
1: Yeah, I don't like. I don't know if I would be thrilled to get like an audio message just from someone randomly on email, but if you're like actively, you know, pitching a pitching a product to people who are interested in it, absolutely, you know, whatever you can to to stand out.
0: Right, but there's there's got to be an interest, certainly. Uh, somebody spamming me from the you know whatever they just took their telemarketing from, uh, you know, <laughs> no no relationship whatsoever. They just took their telemarketing from the inbound call that was going to voicemail and attached it to an email. That doesn't do any good. But if you're trying to reach out to somebody and share a personal message, um, perhaps y- you have to be careful where you apply it. But at least I've listened to the ones that people have sent me, and I've been surprised at how difficult it was for me to turn off. Even lengthy messages were probably, if somebody had sent me that lengthy of an email, I might not have paid much attention. But I wound up paying attention to their audio message just because it was, it was in a different form, format. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm
0: what about um so you write a little bit and and you you had listed you have a site uh, you have a page on your site uh, of talking about uh ideas for side hustles And one of the things that you're doing yourself and what I'm doing is profiting essentially off of marketing information. And I always feel like those of us who are doing this, trying to tell people how to do things and then making money off of telling people how to do things, we've got some thin ice that we're standing on because (laughs) (laughs) you got to be very careful because it seems like the way to get rich these days is just start a blog and make it, you know, grow it huge and start a podcast and grow it huge or start a YouTube channel and grow it huge. And... Certainly, there are people who have done that, but yet it's a difficult. uh, It's not necessarily such an easy transition. How do you coach people when they come to you and say, "Nick, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I've got a great idea for a blog. I'm going to start a a site uh, telling people how to make money on the side."
1: (laughs) Don't don't start a blog. That's what I tell. My my hourly rate rate from blogging is so far below minimum wage, it it wouldn't be legal. Like it's it's a very very slow path. And just, you know, a blog, blog, podcast in itself, it's not a business, right? Like it, you know, it, may, it can be a marketing channel for your business. And, but it's not, you know, until there's something to sell until there's like, you know, a really a good revenue model behind it. That's like, it's not a, it's not a business on its own. And that's, that's the old joke, right? Like what's, what's the best way to make money online? Sell people the secret to making money online. Um, and it, and it is a fine line, right? Like, so kind of in my, my uh, goals post for this year i kind of addressed that saying look i want to be a practitioner you know more than i want to be a a preacher like i want to be out you know testing this stuff and and you know because i if i had the, you know follow my seven step system to internet riches like i would be i would be doing it um and so that's kind of the the um you know be, being out there and, and getting my hands dirty and like doing, doing the work and then kind of sharing the results, that's been the, the most effective way to to build the, the blog readership and to build the, the podcast as well, finding other people who are, who are practitioners.
0: How do you coach people toward figuring out, they come to you and say, Nick, I know I need to do something, but I just don't know what to do. Do you have some ideas for how to coach people through the process of figuring out what they're going to try when they're thinking about developing a side hustle? <sighs>
1: Well, I think. Well, I would start with kind of an inventory of, you know, skills and interests, and what what that could be is just you know writing down your or, or dusting off the resumes and like well, look any job you've ever had, by definition, someone thought that was a skill worth paying for, right? Because they were paying you for it. Um, so that might be one one list or one circle to kind of start with. Um, you know, what you're interested in would be another circle. Like the 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 last thing you need is another it's another day job that you hate. Like you, you want to have something that you're at least somewhat interested in working on. And then the, the final circle would be like, what, what kind of challenges have you overcome or what kind of hurdles have you overcome? Or what kind of problems have you solved in your own life? Because odds are other people might be facing those same issues, those same challenges. And in like, in the context of the of the shoe site you know from the very early days you know what were my or my skills like so i learned a little bit about online advertising at, at an internship that i had I learned a little bit about affiliate marketing there um i played around building very you know rudimentary websites in college and so that was kind of my inventory of skills related to that business and interests like i honestly was not interested in in shoes or footwear or being a sneakerhead at all but i was interested in in the process of building a you know, building an asset, building a business, building a side hustle, and so that kind of qualified the the, the interest box for me. And then the problem that was was overcoming was just like you kind of a frustration with the existing comparison shopping experience. It's like they they weren't they weren't doing a good enough job, they weren't delivering as accurate as a, a result because they had to be everything to everyone rather than you know really focusing on being excellent in one in one vertical. So that was. The example of the three the three intersecting circles I guess
0: it 's interesting how, when you do think about overlap by looking at various interests, one of the things I like about the concept of side hustle is you don 't have to depend on one thing to create a living wage all at once, and I think this is what makes a lot of businesses uh, find difficulty is you've got to go from you know the median wage is forty something thousand dollars so i got to take my business to at least forty thousand dollars or i can't do anything or i or it's or it's a no-go so it's either forty thousand dollars or nothing but with a side hustle you can build up a nice side income and an extra thousand dollars a month might make a very significant difference toward your goals whatever they be whether it's paying off some debt or whether it's creating some increasing savings or purchasing a specific item that you're working toward, the $1,000 a month can make a substantial difference. And $1,000 a month is not an unreasonable number to get with a variety of different skills and interests. And so just the whole concept of being able to say, where do my skills overlap? Where do these different, what are my different ideas? And then exploring them and see what see what takes off. Uh, are you Have you had any guests on your show who have done various things, multiple side hustles that have become in the aggregate a full-time source of income
1: well that's what i'm doing doing. Uh, but but i'll give i'll give the example right so my my wife's side hustle of choice is photography and so her and a friend you know they were hobbyist photographers doing you know family pictures and stuff and it kind of this was an interest that had you know grown over the years and then finally you know enough people were like you know you're you guys are, are kind of good so they got the nerve up to to put an ad on craigslist and say we will shoot your wedding for you you i understand you're taking a big risk we don't have any you know wedding pictures in our portfolio yet but we'll shoot your wedding and they started at like $200 very 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 low end right got flooded with responses never never knew what to expect like who's looking for a wedding photographer on craigslist apparently a lot of people And so they immediately upped it to five hundred, and then they upped it to a thousand, and then they upped it to two thousand, and then they upped it to three thousand. And meanwhile, I'm out, you know, writing books and selling them on Amazon for two ninety nine. And she's like, "Oh, I just closed a thousand dollar, you know, deal that I'm (laughs) going to split with my split with my partner." It's like there's something that can scale up, you know, pretty quickly. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's a fascinating way to look at it, and it's it's just empowering, right? Like if your if your relationship with money is I, I go to work. I, you know, have this commute and I get my paycheck. It's really, really uh, empowering and kind of this act of independence when you earn that first dollar outside of your day job. Like somebody who's not my boss, like paid me for something. Like I remember I sold my first book on Amazon like two and a half years ago. It was like I'm a professional author. I was like, this is crazy, and it was like $2.99, right? And but it was it was cool, you know. And so I got my first like royalty check for $43.73. It was like. You know, it was really, really, I don't know, it was fun. And so, Powering. you know, even, and you'll hear, you'll hear people's stories about, like, I made my first 11 cents on AdSense, uh, you know, through, through my blog. And, you know, it's these little things, but it's just, it's fun to work on and, and see what can happen.
0: All right, I was hoping you would even mention your example uh, of you. I think of photography as one of those great examples. If you think about the, the how to be a professional photographer, for, excuse me, a, phot- <laughs> a professional <laughs> photographer at the high end and you think about well I got to get a studio set up I've got to have a portrait studio I've got to you know create all these contexts it's a little bit overwhelming but if you just start taking pictures of your kids and posting them on Facebook and on your Instagram feed over time a couple of your friends might uh, say man you take some great pictures and I've talked with even my wife and taking uh, pictures of our family I'm not so inclined to say, let me call up Joe's professional photography studio down the road and set up a session. I'm a little intimidated by how you know, I'm a little intimidated, frankly, by Joe and by his prices and I don't really want (laughs) to pay a thousand bucks for an afternoon's photography session. And I don't know how much Joe charges, but I'm less likely to actually go and uh, and hire him. But if I see, you know, my friend Katie, she always is posting great pictures of her kids and she has a real knack for getting the kid to actually smile and look at the camera, then I might call Katie up and say, listen, can I, you know, would you be willing to uh, do a, a photo shoot with my wife and I and we'll pay you, you know, we'll, we'll pay you some money. Well, Katie could re- very easily make several hundred dollars plus on, an afterno- on a Saturday afternoon's work down at the beach taking some pictures.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: much more... Empowering, because now she's earning profit, not wages, and she's not time bound. Where okay, I'm going to go and wait tables this certain amount, and I'm going to make up thirteen dollars an hour after tips. Rather, it's I'm going to build this skill, and then I'm going to sell this skill, and that's frankly how my wife and I we hired our our the. The friend of ours who photographed our wedding we just liked her pictures we didn't we didn't want a big professional outfit of a big fancy thing we just wanted someone to take some nice pictures and she was able to do it and it's her part-time thing but as her skills have grown she's certainly earned plenty of money on the side and these things can be integrated together so whether, you know, it's a little bit of photography, maybe you have a skill of being able to help somebody write a resume and you market that among your friends and when somebody's looking for a new job uh, and you market, you can market either among your friends or again externally somebody's looking for a new job they pay you 200 bucks for a resume review, and you can tweak the resume, and you get pretty good at it, and there's a little idea. Or, or people who are fitness fanatics, and they just start their own boot camp, and they're not trying to build a whole school, but they have a few people that like having someone that's going to show up and hold them accountable, and they do their workouts on the beach, uh, or, or whatever it is. And maybe some of these things can be integrated. So I think of somebody who's, for example, a real estate uh, a real real estate agent, well the income may fluctuate and you can list some houses here and there but a couple houses every couple of months with some of these side gigs, now you've got a pretty nice living in a flexible manner and you're thinking about what services can I bring to the marketplace instead of who's going to give me a job. Right. Uh, cottage industries, have you talked about cottage industries on your show at all? Have any interesting examples? Uh, what do you mean by that? So what I mean is, for example, someone who's make, baking bread and selling it or making candles, making handicrafts, things like that, selling them on Etsy, Etsy selling them locally, those types of actual physical products for niche, crafty type of things.
1: Uh, I was talking with one Etsy seller and what I learned from that conversation was it doesn't actually at all have to be handmade. So she was selling digital I think digital, like financial planners, actually, and it's like, hey, I just created this template, upload a PDF file, and and then you're good to go. So it doesn't you don't have to be like in your in your backyard like whittling things or like you know making jewelry or something like that. Although you certainly could um, to to take advantage of some of these marketplaces. So a little bit more because um, my friend was selling blankets on on Etsy for a while, and right, it's like you've got to charge. A ridiculous amount of money to make this worthwhile. Like this is an eighty dollar blanket now, based on how much time it took me to to find the materials and quilt it and you know do all this stuff. And it's like I can get the same, or I can get the thing at at Target for five dollars. And so that's a tough sell. But when but when it's like uh, something repeatable, like when it's a, a digital thing, that's when I, I like the idea of Etsy.
0: I think that there are some. There's some real opportunities and things like this. I don't know anything about selling arts and crafts, but there's a story I've been wanting to mention on the show and I'll go ahead and mention. I have a friend who is involved in the bee business and he just has this little part time hobby of keeping some hives of bees. But when he started telling me the numbers of the amount of money that he makes with his hives of bees, it was, it's stunning to me how much, how profitable this little side cottage business is. And with bees, the way that, that business works is you, you rent these hives of bees out to a farmer for for in order for them to pollinate their fields, and you sell the honey. And you've got to, it's farming, you've got to care for your animals, your bees, and you've got to make sure that they're healthy, and there's a learning curve to it. But there's a relatively low <laughs> barrier to entry. But the opportunity to buy honey that's local honey, that's... Uh, probably pretty close to organic uh, or you know it's at least high quality and you know it hasn't been diluted with a bunch of uh, syrups and and sugar that's just been poured into it that you're getting at the grocery store it commands a very high premium for raw unfiltered local honey and just this total tiny little niche market with stunning profit potential, not necessarily that you're going to go and compete with the guys who are running hundreds of thousands of hives, but just on this very small scale in a local marketing effort. And I think there are a ton of these kinds of, of ideas that can be developed on the side, whether it's uh, some farming venture, some handicraft, something like that, that with the ability to market, we should be paying more attention to how can I create a business rather than how can I go get a job, which is, I think, the essence of side hustling.
1: It is. It's something that we, um, in college, I ran a, a painting business. Actually, it was, through a, it was through one of the national companies. But they say, hey, here's your territory. Go out and paint as many houses as you can. And you just go out and had to hustle door to door to find business. And then, you know, a second year, we got a little bit smarter and we set up a booth at the home show. And you signed up a ton of leads. And you go out and do their, you know, do their estimates. Hey, let's let's get this done. So, yeah, when, when I like your your point on working for profits, not wages.
0: <laughs> that was a Jim Rohn quote. Profits are better than wages. Profits, uh, wages will make you a living. Profits will make you a fortune.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, I
0: like it. It's a it's a it's a well articulated quote. Well, Nick, this has been this has been fun. I'd love for people. I, I mean, you've got a whole podcast, you've got a blog, you got a whole site dedicated to this. So I don't want to obviously try to rehash everything, but I wanted to give people some ideas because many times when you're thinking about earning extra income, immediately we go to, I need to work extra. And that might have a place. For example, if your career is one where extra work can pay off, then you should probably think about that. Uh, If your career is one where there's a high degree of potential advancement, then you should, I think, primarily be focused on using your extra time to... Build your skill to reach at least the top twenty percent uh, or the top you know four or five percent in your career because there 's a lot of growth potential for many of us, but for many people, their careers are relatively they 're not dead end but they're rel- 're capped there's th- they 're not going to go above a certain amount that they 're making and working a ton of extra hours is not going to measurably impact that so in that situation i think one of the ideas should be to pursue some sort of entrepreneurial side activity and so for those who are interested in that i'd commend Your site, Side Hustle Nation, Uh, your podcast can be a useful way to just expand the creative juices of the different opportunities that are available to us. We live in an exciting time in which the individual can reach other individuals with valuable products and services uh, more easily than it's ever been in the history of, uh, uh, of the world. Nick, is there a place that you would encourage people to start, some resources that you've developed, certain episodes of your show? How would you want people to start with uh, your content if they come over and check out what you're doing?
1: Um, well, for on the podcast side, if you're in, in audio format, there's a different part-time business idea every week um, at the, on the Side Hustle Show. So if you, you could search for that. And if you go to sidehustlenation.com slash ideas, there's a whole laundry list of different ideas to uh, to get the creative juices flowing for you.
0: I might get started. What were the dog sites you said? Rover. dot com. What was the other one? The dog sitting dog, site.
1: Dog. Dog vacay.
0: Dog vacay. I might start doing that. I've got a big <laughs> yard. I could handle the. Uh, I could handle the the dogs. That might be one that, that we might have to check out. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Nick, Nick, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it.
1: You bet. We'll talk to you soon.
0: I hope you found that uh, content to be useful to you. That's my my major goal is to bring you ideas that are useful. Nick's really a great guy. I. I found him to be just so unassuming and just a real pleasure to, to be with, even though we only spent a brief amount of time together when we met. But his site really is a, a neat uh, wealth of resources and information for for you. And so get on over and check it out. It's at SideHustleNation.com. You can find Nick's story. You can join his tribe. You can find out some of the uh, information that he's published. He's got a lot of really great uh, information over there, and he's really building uh, a really neat community of people. Uh, and from everything that I can tell seems to be very straightforward and, and just doing a good job of, of giving great information. That's it for today's show. I thank you so much for being here this week. I'm going to be bringing you a couple of things. I'm going to be digging into uh, some detailed shows on qualified tuition programs, aka five two nine plans. I'm going to give you everything that you need, need to know about that. I might do a little bit of tax stuff. I'm thinking about doing a show on mortgage credit certificates this this week. Uh, maybe it'll be this week or next week. I'm still working out the timing to see how many shows the five two nine plan uh, is going to be. Uh, but it's going to be a good week on the show. Uh, I've been doing some market research with uh, members of the irregular program and that's been helping to guide the course of the show. I'm finding that there's a lot of interest uh, in uh, investment topics and retirement topics and uh, so I'm going to be bringing more content on that uh, starting to get a clearer vision of what I'm doing. I just want to thank you guys for the support and thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support the show, please consider joining the membership program. I am in the process of of um, uh well I'm in the process of transforming things but put it this way uh I don't plan to run a lot of sales, but the membership program is dramatically on sale at the moment for what the benefits are going to be. Uh, and it's going uh, to be kept on sale for those members who have supported it when there's really nothing there, which there's still nothing there. Uh, but uh, if you want to support the show, uh, head on over to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash membership, and you can find all the information on that and some new methods of supporting the show coming soon. That's it. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you'd like to contact me personally, my email address is joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com. You can also connect with the show on Twitter at RadicalPF and at facebook.com slash radicalpersonalfinance. This show is intended to provide entertainment, education, and financial enlightenment. But your situation is unique, and I cannot deliver any actionable advice Without knowing anything about you, please develop a team of professional advisors who you find to be caring, competent, and trustworthy, and consult them because they are the ones who can understand your specific needs, your specific goals, and provide specific answers to your questions. I've done my absolute best to be clear and accurate in today's show, but I'm one person and I make mistakes. If you spot a mistake in something I've said, please help me by coming to the show page and commenting so we can all learn together. Until tomorrow, thanks for being here.